Good morning. Let's come around the word of God and open with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you that we can be called children of God. Thank you that we're part of your family. Thank you that we have the word of God that can live and abide in us, Lord. Thank you for truth. I pray today, Father God, that you would anoint me. Use me as your vessel, Lord, and anoint those who are listening to this message today. Anoint them to hear and to understand and anoint them to grow in you, Lord. Father, fill my mouth with your words that, Lord, what we're hearing is not of man, but of the Holy Spirit. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm excited for the Word of God, and I'm sure you are too, because I know that our church love the Word of God. It's our foundation for everything, isn't it? I'm going to talk to you about living water today. And there is a fountain available to us that never runs dry. It's so amazing. And we're going to look at a well-loved passage in John chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, turn there with me today. Uh, John chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. Oh, this is so good. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, so thus sat by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Let me just pause the account there. I want to bring something out to you. There is innate within every single one of us a thirst and a hunger for something more than what we see in the material realm. There's something deeper within us that we know needs filling up. And this woman that we're about to discover her story, she was coming to the well because she was thirsty. But there was a much deeper thirst in her life. In fact, this story is really amazing. There are so many little hints and clues in here that when you dig a bit deeper, it's much bigger than just a woman coming to draw water at a well. This is a remarkable story, so remarkable that it found its way into the Gospels for us to read and to understand today. Let's see about this. Verse 5, so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar. Do you know what that means in Hebrew? It means end, E-N-D. I want to put something to you today. I know there are a lot of people in our world, a lot of people even in our church, who have been going through really tough times. There are people that feel like they've come to the end of themselves. And the Bible is really specific here. It names the region and it names this city. Do you know this is the only place in the Bible where this city is mentioned? And it said Jesus needed to go to Samaria. He needed to go through there. I don't believe on the map 
he would have had to go that way to get to his destination in Galilee. But in his spirit, he knew he needed to go through Samaria to this little town, this little insignificant town called End. Because there was a woman there who was at her wit's end. She just felt like she had come to the end of herself. And I wonder today, are some of you in the same place as her? Are you feeling like, I just have nothing left to give. I am exhausted. I feel like a wrung out dish rag. I'm, I'm spent. I don't have much left. I just feel like I'm at the end. Then let me encourage you. You can have an encounter with Jesus just as real and just as incredible as what we're about to read that this woman of Samaria had. An encounter so remarkable, it absolutely changed her life forever. It not only changed her life, we'll see that it changed the life of her entire city. One encounter with the living water changed everything for this lady. Let's pick up the story now uh, in verse 7. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. I love her statement because it, it points out two really obvious things. Do you know Jesus isn't racist? He isn't, uh, you know, partial to one group or, and not another. Jesus loves everybody the same because every single person is created in the image of God. You have intrinsic value in you. Because you are created in the image of God. God knows you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. And here's this woman saying, well, Jesus, uh, who are you? You're a Jew. Why are you talking to me? Number one, I'm a Samaritan. We generally don't even have anything to do with each other. And secondly, I'm a woman. Like men don't talk to women. We're insignificant, but not to Jesus. Nobody is insignificant to Jesus. He loves us all equally and amazingly and deeply and with truth. It's a true love. And I love how Jesus talks to this woman. Firstly, he's caught her attention big time because this is very rare, very unusual, very out of the ordinary. Jesus answered and said to her, sorry, I'm in verse 10. If you knew the gift of God... And who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. There's some clues here again that I want to pick up on. For those of you who know your scriptures, there'll be some things already resonating within you as I'm reading this. And for some of you who might be listening to this podcast for the first time, maybe you're not even familiar with the Bible. Let me tell you, the Bible always interprets itself. It always gives you the meaning of what it's talking about, even if it's somewhere else in the book. What a weird thing for Jesus to say, if you knew the gift of God. What does that mean? Well, the scripture tells us later exactly what that means. In Romans 6.23, we find this passage. For the wages of sin is death. 
but the gift of God. There's the exact same phrase. The gift of God is what? Drum roll! (laughs) Is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus said to this woman, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of eternal life that God has for you, there's also another scripture that tells us what the gift of God is. It's Ephesians 2.8, again the same wording. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Salvation through faith in Jesus, his grace alone, is the gift of God. And Jesus said to this woman, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew that everlasting life and salvation were yours, you would have asked me for a drink. He also then went on to say, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. This woman's mind starts ticking over. I can, I can picture it in the story. So she's trying to figure out, I'm at a well, this man's asking me for a drink, but now he's telling me that he can give me a drink, and and I'm a bit confused. So she says this in verse 11, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Is that not the question of the day? Where do you get the living water? What do we even mean by living water? Jesus goes on to explain that in just a minute. Her confusion is answered by Jesus in verse 13. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Wow. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Oh, whoever drinks of this water, Jesus said, will never thirst. Can you imagine that? He's not talking about a physical thirst. It goes way deeper than that. He's talking about a spiritual thirst, a hunger, a thirst, something that needs to be quenched on the inside of us. How many people have you seen searching for for fulfillment, for happiness in all kinds of areas of their life, never really finding fulfillment, just like that water in the well. They had to keep coming back for more and more and more because they were never satisfied. But Jesus has a promise that's so amazing. It wasn't just for this woman. He has a promise for you. He has a promise for me of living water, a, a, a water that's so alive. It comes up and it, it, it refreshes our spirit. It refreshes our soul. It energizes us. It fills us and it will be bubbling up always unto eternal life. It almost sounds too good to be true. I mean, can anyone truly have an inner happiness all the time? Can anyone truly have have a joy that's abiding within them? Jesus says there is such a thing as living water and I alone can give it to you. 
Oh, may our hearts be like this woman who said, Lord, give me this water that I may not thirst again. Give me this water to drink. I need your living water. I don't know how far down you've gone. I don't know how far away from the purposes of God your life might be right now. But I can tell you that there's living water to refresh your soul, to bring you to a place of life, 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 abundant life. God wants to restore your joy. He wants to restore your soul. He wants to save you. He wants to redeem your life from destruction. He wants to turn things around for you in a way that you could never even imagine for yourself. Just like this woman, she thought it was an ordinary day going to the well, just about her daily business. But she encounters God at the well. And today, I urge you to come to the well and encounter God for yourself. He has a promise. He will never leave you or forsake you. When you follow Jesus, you can know one thing. You are never alone. Even when you feel like you're alone and you're doing it tough, you are never alone. And I want to remind you of that today. The God who created the universe knows you by name, loves you and has never left you, never forsaken you. He's never turned his back on you. He is there for you, just like he was there for this woman at the well all those years ago. Jesus' response in verse 16, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. So in that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Just want to pause here. I don't know what your concept of Jesus is. Maybe uh, when you think about God and you think about all your failures, you would be convinced that his approach to you would be to forcibly tell you all the areas that you've gone uh, wrong, where you've failed, where you've missed it, how you're such a stuffer. But that's not what Jesus did. He didn't tell this woman that she'd had five husbands and was now with another man who wasn't even her husband to condemn her. He was simply saying, yep, you've spoken truthfully. He wasn't condemning her. He was about to rescue her and redeem her life. This woman had been through so many partners searching for that living water, something to quench her thirst, something to make her feel of value and of worth. And here she is standing before the living water. He's not condemning her, but he's offering her a way of escape, a way out of her sinful life and a way into eternal life. The woman suddenly has this aha moment. This is not just an ordinary man talking to her. He must be some kind of prophet because how would he know that about her when she's a random stranger and they've never met before? And then she says in verse 20, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Now, if you'd just been told your entire life history by a random stranger, maybe you'd have a different comment to make, like, how did you know that? Or what are you trying to say? Or, you know, get all defensive or something. This woman obviously had a seeking heart. 
because she suddenly realizes, hang on a minute, you're a prophet. And she's got a burning question in her heart. I've got to ask you something. You know, us Samaritans, we're on this mountain where Jacob worshipped God and, and his well is here and, and we've got history here. And, 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 you know, we believe this is the place where we should worship God too. But you Jews say, no, 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 you've only got to worship God in Jerusalem. Jerusalem's the place where God gets the worship. I'm really confused, Jesus. Can, can you put some light on this for me? If you're a prophet, can, can you help me understand? I want to worship God. Am I in the right location? Have I got this right? A am I doing it right? Is this mountain okay? Or do I have to go into Jerusalem and be even more rejected by a society who doesn't like Samaritans? I have it in my heart to worship God, but what is acceptable? And Jesus answers her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. That must have been like a lean-in moment. Are you kidding me? Neither location? So where do I worship God? And he says, The hour um, is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You are free, he's saying, to worship God anywhere at any time in any space because God is not looking for a location for someone to worship him from. He's looking for a heart that wants to give him glory and honor and praise. He's looking at the heart that says, I am seeking you. I want to worship you. I want to acknowledge your greatness in my life, in spirit and in truth, that is what the Father desires. I can just feel the shackles falling one by one from this woman, the chains crashing around her feet as she's realizing, oh, here I am, there's living water available. And guess what? What's been in my heart, I can finally do. I can worship a God who knows me and loves me and found me when I was at my end. He found me here at the well where I was looking for water. Verse 25, the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Isn't that awesome? Do you know this is the first account in John's gospel where Jesus actually tells someone he's the Messiah? Uh, it wasn't even to the Jewish people that he came and announced himself. He said to them, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And that should have been enough of, of a trigger for them to understand, hey, he's calling himself the Messiah. But to this Samaritan, he reveals the truth. I am the long-awaited Christ, the one you've been seeking. At this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, oh, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. It's so amazing. This woman leaves her water pot at the well. 
because she's been given something far more refreshing than just physical water. Her soul has finally found its rest in the promised Messiah, the promised Christ. She's got to tell everybody in town, this is the moment we have lived our lives in anticipation for. You know what? Some of you have been searching all your life for something you can't put your finger on. I want to put my finger on it for you today and say you are searching for God. You are searching for Jesus. And when you accept him into your life, you can leave all your water pots. You can leave all the things you've used to try and fill yourself and satisfy yourself. You can walk away from them because you'll finally have your thirst quenched through Jesus, just like this woman did. I'm going to skip down to verse 42. Then the men said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, but we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. What a revelation. The Savior of the world wants to be your Savior today. What are you going through? Are you depressed? Are you sad? Are you facing a problem that's far bigger than you? There's a God far bigger than your problem. He wants to fill you with living water. I want to finish off in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Um, and uh, verse 5 to 6. So it says this. Paul is talking here. Uh, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you have become followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit. This is telling us about the gospel, the good news. And today there is good news for you, no matter what you're going through, this same Jesus is alive. He's resurrected, he's powerful, he's present, and he wants to lift you, fill you with living water that will literally bubble up and overflow in your life. And he's telling us that the gospel is not just mere words. It comes in power and in the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit, even in the middle of affliction, verse 6 says, fills us with joy. You know, yesterday I had a pretty rough day at work. It wasn't just one thing. There was just one thing on top of another, on top of another. Things just not going right, people upset or, you know, first aid, all kinds of stuff. I work in a school and uh, I kind of left feeling, oh, that's, you know, I felt quite burdened. Like it had been really just big, full, hard day and I was feeling so drained. And when I got in the car, I began to think about this living water and I began to realize that it doesn't matter what I'm feeling. I have it. Jesus said it will always be there abiding in you up until eternal life. And, you know, the Holy Spirit truly began to help me draw from that reservoir within. He began to fill me afresh with joy. And, you know, joy is your strength. And when you have his joy afresh in your life, even in the midst of affliction, you can have amazing, unfathomable joy because the Holy Spirit abides within you. And, and he so filled me with the Spirit that I felt more energized at the end of my day than I had at the beginning. 
I was so filled with the Holy Spirit. May I encourage you believers to every day dig and draw deep from that well. Draw deep from that well. Let his joy completely fill your life with the power of God so that you can be a witness for him. So that you can operate in the power of the Holy Spirit and not your own strength. That you can be led by the Holy Spirit. That every day is not a day lived in your own strength, but a day empowered by God himself. You can be a world changer through the power of the Holy Spirit, even if it's just one person's world at a time, like Jesus did for that one person at the well. And I believe, just as Pastor Jeremy preached last week, it is the gospel that changes the world. And we have been entrusted with the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that he has come for each and every one of us. And it's with that good news that we can change the world. I want to finish with lyrics uh, from a song. Today, some of you will know this song. It's called, O Come to the Altar. And I really feel that it's for someone or maybe many people watching today. Uh, you can feel free to close your eyes. I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to read it to you. But let these words sink in. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today. There's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, what a saviour. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah, because Jesus is risen. And then it finishes off like this. Bear your cross as you wait for your crown. Tell the world of the treasure you found. Today, if you would like to acknowledge your need of Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity right now. If you're looking at our live chat, we've got a raise hand function there. You can click that button and say, hey, include me. Anita, I'm like that woman. I've, I've been searching all my life and I need this living water you're talking about. I need Jesus, the savior of the world, to be my savior. If you would love to receive that free gift, the free gift of God that we've been talking about, then don't wait another moment. This is your moment. You can join us. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. The prayer is not what's going to save you. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And that's what's going to save you. If you mean these words from your heart, then you will be welcomed into the family of God. Why don't we pray together? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to find me when I was at my end. Fill me with this living water. 
that I may never thirst again. I repent of my sins. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Cleanse me from my sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me your child. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that in your heart and you meant that, then welcome to the family of God. You have a Savior who will give you living water and you never have to thirst again. May God bless you, church. We love you and we'll see you online next time. Have an amazing week.